everybody. Welcome back to Dr. Me First, a podcast all about authentic conversations between female physicians. I'm your super sassy host, Dr. Erin Wiseman, your colleague in medicine and your coach in life. And as your virtual life coach, I bring you encouragement, inspiration, hope, and fun to your life and your practice. Because guess what? We all need a little more of all of those elements in our lives. And I'm just so excited to be able to come to you through this podcast. Man, the reach with this podcast has been phenomenal. So it's April now. We launched in December and we have already had over 5,000 downloads. It's just truly exciting to know that there are other female physicians and other people in medicine listening to this podcast and hopefully gaining this the news that they are not alone, that hope is possible, that joy in medicine is possible, and maybe you get a couple laughs from me as well. So this is episode number 52, and today I am talking with Dr. Melanie Majoris. She is a fascinating female physician who happened to contact me, and when she told me her word, I was like, oh my God, we have to record this today. So she is actually an internal medicine boarded physician who did a lot with women's health and then realized that it wasn't her fit, and she wanted to go more into the complex issues of sex. And so she became a sex therapist, and that is her practice now. And so today, our word is libido. We talk about that in the sense of sexual dysfunction, but then also a little bit later in our conversation, she will actually give you some tips for us, female physicians, in our careers, in our marriages, in our relationships, dealing with our families, and I think they're great. So listen to this conversation. I hope you get a lot out of it, and then stay around afterwards for a little kick of encouragement for me. Okay, well, here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Wiseman back with another special guest. I'm going to have her do her own introduction. Hi, I'm Melanie Majoris, and I am, um, I've had a very interesting career so far, and it's taken a few turns. I originally went to OBGYN residency, and then I realized surgery was not really in my blood, so I transitioned to internal medicine, where I got board certified, and then I actually only did gynecology um, in an office-based gynecology practice. Um, and I did that for several years before I realized uh, seeing 28 to 30 patients a day did not allow me to talk to them about sex. And sex was so uh, much of a concern for so many people. So I, I learned more about sexual medicine and then ultimately pivoted into sex therapy. And I did additional training, uh, 80 plus hours of classroom time plus several supervision um, sort of hours and then a big long um, application through ASECT, which is the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Uh, And now I am certified as a sexuality counselor, and I have my own practice um, in Northern Virginia called Sexual Health Consultants, in which I provide sex counseling um, or sex therapy, whichever you prefer, to individuals and couples. And I have a large focus on the medical and health issues that affect sexuality. I love it. So good. We were talking before the recording started and we we said to each other we didn't know what each other did. And I'm so (laughs) glad to wait to get it recorded so you could tell us all that. Fascinating. Oh my gosh. In my family medicine life, 
it was one thing that I unabashedly would ask people. So how's your sex life? You know, like when I was doing a well, a well woman or a well man check. And it's amazing in my conservative Midwest practice, the big deer eyes that people get. Oh my God, did she just say sex? (laughs) And I'm some young 30 something doctor talking to my patients and it's just as a crazy dynamic, but God, sex is so important in our life. Yes, absolutely. It's so important and it's so under discussed. It's under discussed as uh, children growing up in general, and it's under discussed between partners. And it's very, very under discussed in the medical office where patients are dealing with health issues that affect their everything, their libido, their energy, their sensation, even cancer, you know, everything. And that affects sex. And nobody talks about it. The patients are sent home to sort of figure it out. Yeah. And then they either don't figure it out and they just struggle with it internally mm-hmm. or they get terrible advice that you wish they would even hear. Yeah. Uh, I happens. know. It's such a terrible thing. Let's jump into your word. So your word revolves all around this and it's libido. So tell yes. me why you picked this for us to talk about today. I think that libido is so poorly understood. It's poorly understood in part because it's complicated and in part because of misinformation. So the, um, my ideas about libido are that most people think you, you sort of, you, you have a libido. It's, it's a, it's a tangible thing. It's something that's innate and intrinsic and you are sort of, you know, you, you either a high libido or low libido, or if you were high libido and now you're low libido, you're like, what, what's wrong with me? What happened? Something has changed inside me. And I think that we um, don't value the other side of libido, which is the environmental controls um, of it as, a, uh, as an energy, as a desire, as a sexuality within an individual. And uh, that basically, you know, it, it doesn't make sense that we would have a fixed or a characteristic libido in, in the presence of neuroplasticity. Right. And we all know neuroplasticity is it happens. We can learn new things. Right. And so when you think about how the brain works and what it likes and what it seeks, it seeks novelty and it seeks um, information. And I mean, not everybody's, but let's just go with a general here. And so, you know, if you have a a known entity that is, you know, very, very routine and and, and, uh, sort of standard, then your interest in it will go down. Right. Right. And if if there's something new about it, um, you know, if if you have uh, two pieces of chocolate in front of you and one is plain and one has a little bow on it, which one is more appealing? The one with the bow on it, you know. And so you have to sort of design your life and design and understand that the design and the structure of your life actually create your libido. It's not something that's intrinsic. I think it's really powerful when you say to think of it as an energy, because then I think about it as like ebb and flow mm-hmm. and how that's a normal pattern of energy flows. Right. Yeah. And then, and then the biggest complaint is that women, I mean, I, you know, I, I spent my life doing gynecology when I was in medicine, but you know, women are, I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired. Well, what, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. If you don't save any energy for yourself and for your sexual expression, then your, your libido kind of dies in that moment, not permanently. Yeah, <laughs> not permanently, everybody. It's fine. It can come back. <laughs> but, you know, it dwindles. Let's put it that way. It dwindles. Yes, it needs to be fed a little bit so that it yeah. can peak back up again. 
Exactly. Well, go into more. I'm just really fascinated to hear about your practice of sexual medicine. One, because like you said, it's something we don't talk enough about, but two, to hear how you approach it as a physician colleague. So um, in my practice, I practice only sex therapy. I don't actually do examinations or um, prescriptions, so I don't see people for sex medicine consults. But I work closely with uh, physicians in the uh, in the neighborhood, basically um, the DC metro area, big neighborhood, with you know to to assist patients in collaborative care. Even physicians who have more time with the patients than the average does, like you know whether they take insurance or not, they don't have the ability to dig, dig, dig really deep into what's going on with an individual and with her or his partner. And as a sex therapist, I have that ability. I can ask those really hard previously for me uncomfortable questions like tell me what you do when you masturbate right tell me how often you do and i may in a solo visit or whatever and you know and what happens when this happens and those details that generally speaking aren't directly relevant to a medical office visit but yet impact their life dramatically so i see sex therapy and sex medicine as sort of complementary sides of the same coin because neither exists independent of the other, right? You don't have a, a sexual functional life without a sexual psychological life. Whether that psychological life includes lust or whether it includes anxiety, it's still there. And so the sex therapy really focuses on what's going on with the sex behaviors, but then how do you feel about them, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the, the medical side is more about what does the sex behavior is it working or not? Function or Yeah, is the anatomy working or not? Right, right. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think that's so intriguing because I feel like I play the dichotomy of that role too, like as a the family physician, like the does it work, let's fix it. But then on the life coach side where it's like, what's really going on in your head? You mm-hmm. know, and getting in and really digging around in it. Yeah, absolutely. Same concept. And, I, and so I do that for individuals and for couples. So it's definitely more challenging with couples because their interaction is that has its own dysfunctions. And then, um, you know, then each of them has their own core beliefs that have to be addressed, whether they're helpful and functional and reasonable at this point in their life or not. Um, sort of classic is the uh, woman who um, has waited until marriage to have sex which is a very valid choice, but she's done so because she's been taught and learned over her years that sex is bad. And if she has a sexual sensation, she has to push it out of her mind. Well, that's neuroplasticity, right? That's a muscle memory of sort where you see something sexual, sexual stimuli, got to push it out, can't have sex yet. So she's trained herself to avoid sex. And now she's married and she's trying to have sex and it has, and there's pain right? Because she's internally still avoiding it rather than opening and welcoming it into her life as a positive thing, which it never has been before. So that I've had several um, clients where that's been a challenge because he's, you know, Hey, I love my wife. You know, I waited for marriage. Like, this is great. Like I want to like really be unified with her. And she's like, I don't really understand why we're having sex and just to make you happy. And I don't want to, but I have an obligation to. And so those are some dynamics that are really challenging. And then, you know, usually he'll come in complaining that she has low libido. I'm like, no kidding. Like that's not, that's not a shocker. It's not because she has an intrinsic low libido. It's because she's trained herself to avoid sex as an idea. Awesome. 
I'm just processing because now my thought process is I'm like, how do you work them through that? Yes, it's pretty challenging. You know, I introduced the idea that sexuality is your own and, and that you have a choice to give it to people, but not give it in a transaction. It's not give, actually. I take the word give out of it. You have a choice to share it with people. So if it's yours and you can share it, then you actually have, you're empowered to, to explore it, right? Because it's yours. It's not somebody else's, right? And, and so working on those ideas of who owns your sexuality, I think is really um, important. And then at that point, building some compassion and empathy in the partner who's just trying to express his love, but also feeling kind of, you know, frustrated, right? And, and may need to be patient. So because it's a process, you know, in your teenage years, if somebody is raised in a more sex positive environment, they, they have several years to explore their sexuality and figure it all out before sharing it with somebody. If you don't have that benefit and then you get married, you're discovering it sort of on the go, you know, in real life. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's a, it's a moment to be patient for the partner. So maybe he has that to grow option, that option to grow as well. Right. And it can be a growing point in a relationship rather than a stumbling point you know, right. to, to come through that together, I could see would be really unifying. But I could also see too, where couples would be totally like afraid almost to open up to you as far as what sexual practices are in that case where, you know, maybe the wife in the situation was raised really conservatively. So mm. I think it's just so interesting, the dynamic that you approach with this. What are other, I can think of other circumstances I bet that you get, do you get the like perimenopausal circumstance a lot. I feel yes. like that's what walked into my office a lot. Yeah. You know, um, women, women in their forties, um, which is that sort of perimenopausal age range for the most average women. Um, while menopause happens at 50, 51, the hormones change in the forties. So they, women start to notice this. They don't necessarily, they're not able to put their finger on it, but maybe the sleep gets a little bit less, sort of restful, maybe um, anxieties come up. And then life stressors at that time tend to become maximal. Kids are teenagers or they're young and parents are getting old if they're there. And so many times there's the caregiving for both the upper and the lower generation, as well as the husband. And, you know, husbands require a bit of caregiving. So <laughs> realistically speaking. And so, you know, I think women fall into this role of, of taking care of everybody else. And then they, they sleep even less and they worry even more and the less sleep, the more worry. And so you have these factors contributing to libido because at the end of the day, when you're deeply fatigued and your husband's like, well, I came home from work and I you know played with the kids for a couple hours and now we're going to bed. So let's go to bed. Let's go to bed. And she's like, oh my God, like I've spent my whole life all day doing mental work, whether it's at, at the workplace with, you know, either doctoring or anything else and then managing uh, all these other uh, people in her life. So I, you know, I don't want to generalize completely, but I see that the hormones don't help that, that process. They make, they make uh, many times women in their forties feel less resilient than they were in their thirties. But I don't think it's, it's an actual less resilience. I think it's a hormone change plus life circumstances change. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that the best advice we have for them is, uh, you know, have date nights, go on vacation, drink some wine, you'll be fine. 
And then when they, when they get that advice from their gynecologist or their other doctors, it, it feels very not. Like a holy shit moment. Come yeah, on now. Well, it feels that, but it's, it's sort of like this, it's, it's unvalidating. Mm-hmm. What's the word? It's not unvalidating. Invalidating. It's invalidating, right? Because they're like, no, something is wrong for me. They want to find an answer. And it's like, yes, but it's cumulative. It's additive. The answer is that you stopped paying attention to yourself. And so usually these women, I'll ask them how much they masturbate. And, and if they masturbate a reasonable number uh, of reasonable frequency, um, and I always hesitate to, to na- label what's normal and what's not normal, but masturbation once a week is a reasonable, I would say, frequency for a woman of any age. And then that demonstrates she's got some sexual energy. She's got some awareness of what her needs are. And so I'll encourage that and say, well, you need to do more of the same, not necessarily more masturbation, but more self-care. And then self-care is sort of what she determines. And I think that gives the power back to her instead of us assuming that self-care is a vacation when vacation with kids is not really self-care. It is not. Um, (laughs) It is not. And, and, you know, and self-care might be a massage, right? But, but it might be a massage a lot. (laughs) Okay. It might be asking the husband for a massage and stating what her needs are saying, Hey, I need to decompress. I either need to decompress alone because I'm an introvert and I need quiet time, or I need to decompress with you not putting pressure on me. And you're going to give me a massage for 20 minutes and I'm going to just enjoy it and not worry about what happens afterwards. That kind of thing. Absolutely. I love that. Actually, my next question was going to be about to all of our listeners. So we're female physicians ranging from late 20s all the way to, I mean, I don't know how old our oldest listener is at this time. I'd love to hear our oldest one. Let's just assume, let's say, let's say 60. I don't know. I'm putting it out there. So with that general range as alpha female, go out, kill it, bring it home, take care of everybody kind of woman. I was just going to ask you, like, what would be your tips for us? But I think you just kind of did that on your own. But do you have any extra ones to give to us? So for libido specifically, uh, yes, what you put in is what you get out. So if you have more sex, and it's good, that's a big caveat, and it's good. Good means that at the end of the sexual experience, you feel positively about it. Not even mixed, but just straight up positive. That's what a good sexual experience is. Then sex begets sex. The more sex you have, the more your brain will think about it. Um, and then the less you have, the less it'll think about it. And, you know, if you want to stimulate your natural spontaneous thoughts, then the more you put sex into your mind, the more your spontaneous thoughts will come. And that may not be really robust in the context of a super busy, stressful, fatigued, exhausted, you know, 45 year old woman's life, but it might be just enough to make that, that, um, that, that, crossing over that barrier of, I can't stand to think about sex to, oh, sex might not be the worst idea right now in the world. Um, So erotica, um, I do give homework assignments to my clients. Sometimes I'll tell them, go just read 10 minutes of erotica at night. Like either find a a novel that's like known erotica or look at literotica.com, which I have no affiliation to and has terrible writing on it, which is why I have no affiliation to it. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but nonetheless, you can find some, some things that are positive or or interesting or stimulating or, or just turn you on, you know? And if you masturbate, fine. If you don't find just 10 minutes, just put the content into the brain and let it, percolate overnight and it's fine. So this, this is kind of a, you know, what you get, what you, what you take is what you get and what you get is what you give. 
So finding it um, and finding a way that sex, if you're going to have sex with a partner is for you finding the part about it that is positive that you can focus on and say, okay, um, my husband hasn't ever learned to give oral sex, but I really, really like it. So we're going to read this book together. Um, the, the, the typical book for oral sex is, um, she comes first. Um, it's written by a sex therapist. And so, um, you know, we read this together. I'm going to tell him this is what I need. He's going to do that. I'm going to be more interested in sex. He's going to be happier. Like you have to take control of the, of, of your own experience, not necessarily by taking control in the bedroom, but by actually giving your brain what it needs to be there. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. And we'll put all the little promos that you um, blurbed right there in the show notes. So if people are interested in it, they can go check it out and hopefully have a more fulfilling and fun sex life. Yes, that would be great for everybody. Exactly. We all need more sex in our lives. I would say so. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. You're going to have to come back because okay. I have so thank many you. more questions. and I bet we will get questions or comments from this podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to, um, to chat more because it's my goal to spread sex information and sex positivity. Great. And say any of our listeners want to know more about what you're doing or they want to contact you because, well, they just want to talk to you or maybe they want to do therapy with you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? So um, my website is sexualhealthconsultants.com. And on my website, you can access me, um, you can send an email, um, phone number. The phone, email is much better than phone number, quite frankly. And uh, I am on Position Moms Group, and um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm getting better at looking at my private messages. But I, the most common question I get is, how did you get to do what you're doing? You know, And, and so I, I tend to post that on, on uh, PMG relatively frequently. Basically, my website is the best, the best way. I'm based in Northern Virginia, and uh, at the moment, I'm not doing any teletherapy, but technically getting open to the idea. I think you should. It's a lot of fun. I, I'm doing the telemedicine thing, and I think it's, I think it's changing the world, really, yeah. and when yeah. we're using it. So we can talk more about that afterwards. But thank you so much, and I will put all that in the show notes for everybody. And send your questions, because if I get a lot of questions, then we can do it all over again. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much. So who's ready to go schedule an appointment with Milani, right? I think I am. Why not? We all want to be healthier. And I think sexual health is a great window into our view into our overall well-being and what's going on with us. You know, it's a result of having a low libido like she talked about in seeing that energy being flowed into other directions. So if you're in that in, and I know I've been there plenty of times, this is not how it's going to be forever and things can get better. And now we have a great resource that we can talk all our sex problems to. So blow up her website, go hang out with her, ask her lots of questions and make sure to send me any additional sex questions and I'll get her back on the podcast and we'll have another great conversation for your homework. You thought I was going to tell you that you need to go masturbate once a week, didn't you? Well, that's not it. But the question is for your homework, how do you need to take care of yourself this week? During our conversation, Milani talks about this, that self-care looks different for each of us. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast, how we need to take care of ourselves. She mentioned the massage. 
you know, personally, that's not my thing. That doesn't feel like self-care to me. I don't relax. It's not a fun thing. And that's crazy to say as a DO, since we do a lot of manipulation, but it's just not for me. And so I have to know what is true self-care for myself. And that for me is making sure that I get outside at least a couple times a week to walk in nature, get my shoes dirty, breathe fresh air, and clear my head. That's my self-care. And so my challenge and homework assignment for you is what is your true self-care and how can you practice that in one way this week? Maybe it's having that difficult conversation with your spouse or partner about sexual issues. Bring this podcast up. Blame it on me. Be like, Aaron told me that I had to talk about things that are making me uncomfortable or where I feel like my energy is drained because of her podcast with the word libido. And yes, you can say that, I promise. Maybe it's sitting back and saying, I need help in a certain area and really getting that help. Maybe it's talking to someone that you haven't talked to in a long time that you need to try to at least voice your opinion, amend that relationship, or just let them know how important they are to you. Whatever it is, get your homework assignment done. Let me know how it goes. And hopefully, you can say that you doctored yourself first. So as always in parting, guys, remember your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye.